When God was queer, it's time for another M4 episode, and this week we have got a doozy. I'm your host, Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by the two best co-hosts in the whole world, Vince Vance. And I'm doozy. (laughs) (laughs) You better work it out, Juicy Gillespie. I live. I'm such a fan. Um, So, I'm so excited about today's M4 episode, because this is literally the myth that I have waited this entire podcast to tell the two of you. The fuck is this? What is happening? I am so excited. Obviously, if you don't know, this week our main episode is Hecate. And so, we were dealing with all things. Yes! Um, we were dealing with all things liminal and chthonic and underworld and thresholds and boundaries and all of that. And the myth that we are telling, though it is not Greek, is truly my favorite myth of all time and deals with all of those things and more. And, uh, I'm going to try and hold it together because I get emotional every time I tell the story. Uh, today we are going to be covering Asashunamir and the Descent of Inanna. Yes. Oh, yeah, you've mentioned this. You hinted at this before, yeah. Yeah, this is the shit. So, are we ready? Is everybody hydrated, (laughs) seated comfortably? All right. Inanna, queen of heaven and earth, without whom the flowers would not grow, without whom the ice would never melt and the skies would never brighten and the world would forever lay in slumber, awoke in her fullness to her beauty. From the great above, Inanna opened her ear to the great below and the goddess abandoned heaven and earth to descend into the underworld. For there lived her sister, Ereshkigal, queen of the underworld, Some say her cries came as she sat on her throne, perpetually giving birth to souls as they reincarnated, forever in the pains of labor. Others say that her cries came after her beloved husband, Gugulana, the bull of heaven, had tragically died, and Inanna was to attend the funeral rites. We don't know why she descended, but what is known is that the other gods had all but forgotten Queen Ereshkigal, and left her alone in the underworld, which was called Irkala. Now, Inanna would need to pass through the seven gates of Irkala, demanding entry, and at each gate, the goddess was stripped of something. At the first gate, her shoes were taken. At the second gate, her jewelry was taken. At the third gate, her finery was taken, and so on. And at each gate, Inanna asked, What is this? And Neti, the gatekeeper, told her, the ways of the underworld are perfect. They may not be questioned. Finally, Inanna passed through the seven gates and entered her sister's throne room, naked and bowed low. At the sight of Inanna, Ereshkigal rose from her throne. 
She looked at her sister, and it was the look of death. She spoke to her sister, and it was the speech of anger. She shouted at her sister. It was the shout of heavy guilt. And with a fearsome cry, struck her sister, the queen of heaven, dead. Inanna was turned into a piece of rotting meat and hung from a hook on the wall in a lampless cell. And Ereshkigal decreed, No god or goddess, no man or woman, may enter the underworld to rescue Inanna. However, before she had left the heavens, Inanna had instructed her servant, Ninshaber, in case she did not return at the expected time. She went to each of the gods and begged them for assistance, and each of the gods turned her away. They would not help Inanna, for it was known that no one may enter Irkala and return again. Finally, she came to the house of Enki, lord of heaven, and husband to Inanna. Enki heard Ninshaber's pleas and acted immediately. And so it was that Enki came to fashion a being of light. The Lord of Heaven gathered some starlight and the dirt from under his fingernail and crafted a being called Asashunamir, a dancing, shining spirit, which was neither male nor female, and yet both he and she. Asashunamir, who was so brilliant and beautiful, clothed in starlight, shimmering in front of the throne upon which Enki sat. Asashunamir, bright and shining one, go now unto my beloved, for she is trapped within Irkala. Get her sister Ereshkigal to bring out the waters of life and sprinkle them upon my queen. But be warned, do not eat or drink anything that you may be offered, or you will be trapped in the underworld. So it was that Asashunamir set out. To Nettie's amazement, they passed unscathed and unbothered through the seven gates of Irkala and entered the throne room of Queen Ereshkigal. And the spell of great Ereshkigal could not possess this luminous being. For it was she who was moved by Asashinamir's beauty, stirred by their voice, by their dance. And so Ereshkigal demanded a great feast be held in their honor, and the best wine be brought to the table. In her heart, she dreamed of taking this stunning being to her bed and keeping them with her in the land of the dead. But Asashinamir was careful. They secretly poured the wine upon the floor and did not eat the food prepared by the spirits. And when Ereshkigal had fallen into drunkenness, the neither man nor woman asked if they might taste the waters of life, which were of the most valuable, important, and sacred of the queen's possessions. These waters were kept deep in the underworld, behind a myriad of protections and safeguards, for when sprinkled on a dead or dying one, it restored them back to the fullness of life. Ereshkigal called out to her servants, Bring the jug! I shall grant the wish of this charming being. And so, the spirits of the dead brought out the earthen jug. Soon, Ereshkigal, who was in her cups, fell asleep, and Asashunamir quickly made their way to the lampless cell where Inanna's lifeless body lay. They sprinkled Inanna with the waters of life, and as the drops fell on her inert body, Inanna breathed easily, as a child might breathe, and she awakened. Beautiful and once more flowing with the energy of life, Inanna quickly made her way through the seven gates of Irkala, ascending to earth, 
and causing the flowers to grow and restoring the trees to green. People returned to their planting, their weaving, their making of wine, their lovemaking, and a great feast was held in honor of the return of Inanna, the Queen of Heaven. But Asashunamir was not as fortunate. Areshkigel awakened as they approached the final gate, and nothing could extinguish her fires of passion, which had now turned to hatred. She let out a horrible scream, which shook Irkala and the earth and the heavens. At her betrayal, she made such a sound that the earth split open and the ocean rose and there was no one who could stop her. The food of the gutter shall be your food, great Areshkigel cried, each word weaving itself into an eternal curse. The drink of the sewer shall be your drink. In the shadows shall you abide, despised and hated by even your own kind. And, having pronounced her curse, she banished Ashishunamir into utter darkness. Now, when Inanna learned of the terrible curse placed upon this luminous deity, she wept, and she mourned, and the earth itself felt her sorrow. She went out into the darkness and spoke softly so that no one might hear. Areshkigel's power is great. No one dares defy my sister, not even I. But just as winter will soften and turn towards spring, I may soften the curse upon you. For many ages you will suffer. Those who are like you, my Asinu and Kalum and Kugaru and Kalaturu, you shall be strangers in your own homes. Your families will keep you as secrets in the shadows, and they will cast you out and will leave you with nothing. The drunken shall smite your faces, and the mighty shall imprison you. But if you will remember me, how you were born, from the light of the stars, how brilliant and beautiful you are, and how it was you, and only you, who could save me from the final death and rid the earth of winter, I shall harbor you and your kind. You shall be my special children, and I shall make you my priests. I shall grant you the gift of prophecy, the wisdom of the earth and the moon. You shall banish illness from my children, just as you have stolen me from Areshkigel in the land of no return. And when you adorn yourselves in my robes, I shall dance in your feet, and sing in your throats, and no one shall be able to resist your enchantments. And when the earthen jug is brought forth from the seven gates, you shall be freed from the spell of Areshkigal. Once more you shall be called Asashunamir, being clothed in light. Your kind shall be called Asashunamir, those whose faces are brilliant, those who have come to renew the light, the blessed ones, of Inanna. It was this myth, this story specifically, which inspired this entire podcast. The first time that I heard it, I wept, as I'm getting fucked up now. Words cannot describe the feeling that I had when I first heard a myth, detailing not only the creation of a person who is like me, but a god who is yeah. like me. 
and that our shared nature was divine and necessary and that it was us and only us who could save humanity, the great goddess, and the earth. And knowing that this myth, which is among the oldest pieces of human writing in history, had people like us in it, was some of the most like life-affirming evidence I've ever come across. And it wasn't just like necessary for me, it was nourishing. And seeing the way that Ereshka girl's curse is something we still live with. But that there is a promise in the end that we will be vindicated and redeemed for who and what we are is so impactful and profound uh, that I just wanted to make sure that I was able to share it. And since our Hecate episode deals with we, this block of deities, obviously... Demeter, Persephone, Hecate, the origin of winter, the descent into the underworld. underworld. It's all this. This is a precursor to that. And it's also Pride Month. And like, I wanted there to be something that was like intrinsically for us, by us, that we could offer to others. And so that is the story of Asashinamir and the descent of Inanna. It's so beautiful. I definitely didn't know that story. Um, I'd definitely be reading it again. Yeah, it's really beautiful <sighs> to feel that, like, you know, it, you feel that, like, a contemporary writer or, so, you know, someone now could make something feel that poignant or make it, feel, you know, like, tie things together in that way. But to have, like, an ancient text sort of just illuminate, like, the importance of people like us, but also... Yeah, like you said, sort of explain why we, or, you know, reassure us that there is a reason that there is so much doubt and there is so much, um, still, like, pain and difficulty. It's, it, it gives it a reason. It's not just, like, why? Why are we, like, second-class citizens? It's, a, it's an interesting, it's interesting to hear in a story that, in, in, in a mythological sense always, when it's very simple, why there is just, why you were just different and cursed and or whatever you know why we won't be seen as the same there is a simple storytelling reason and it's just whether it's metaphor or reality it's just it's very reassuring to hear that i guess even though it's sad yeah i mean i think that it it, you know obviously you don't have to subscribe to that that's the actual literal reason i think the more important thing is recognizing that we have always existed and it's been challenging. that it's always been challenging and it's yeah. been polarizing and that it has brought us that what we are is glorious and that unfortunately and, we are made to pay yeah. for it. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it, both sides. it's both, you know, and, and both extremes at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it just, um, it's a story that as far as we know is, Four to five thousand years old, and just that is yeah. Just that that is um, the major component of the story that's that old. Yeah. It's like wow, <laughs> things things exist through time. Similar things. We're still you know it's interesting, common experience. I think it. 
Um, and, and it's it's different just by virtue of span of time. But I feel like I felt very similarly the first time I like heard or I like read Audre Lorde like describe herself in the yeah. sense of like feeling like, oh, this is like this like this is an experience before. Um, and like feeling a lot of like like you said, Dakota, like a lot of nourishment from reading her um, because of especially because of all the like living in the margins thing. Um, and just like hearing it articulated in that way and knowing that it came before me and that that like is, um, that it's been a thing. Um, and that there is something really, uh, I don't want to use the word, and I do have better words than cool, but I mean so many things that I just want to use the umbrella word cool here. Mm-hmm. In the sense, there is something super cool about the experience that just makes you um, like really, truly see the world deeper and just differently. Yeah, um, I mean, it inherently like widens your lens, right? Yeah. And it also, it connects, it connects you to, connects. A, to a heritage and an ancestry of people who have gone through what you're going through. And yeah. when you realize that the sort of essential message is on one level, your struggle is not new. Mm-hmm. That goes one of two ways for you. It either yeah. is a death knell to hope and the uh, idea that liberation is impossible. That's helpless. Yeah. Or it is a message full of hope because generations and eons of people have come before you, have dealt with similar struggles, and have survived in spite of them, and have mm. flourished, and have been able to live well, you know, in the face of it. And yeah. that means you can too, you know? Yeah, that's and like it, it super... won't be easy, but it is possible, you know? And like... That is a magnificent message to give anyone who listens to this. If you are queer, if you're part of the Alphabet Mafia, if you don't know what you are, this can feel... I mean, that, that, that we're talking about the underpinning of literally who and what you are. And when that is in question, nothing else can make sense. And so if this is reaching your ears and you're not sure who you are... Or what you are has been the source of pain for you. I hope that this gives you some hope. And it it nourishes you the way that it nourished me. So I think that is almost what we can what we can take away from, you know, because it's almost awe-inspiring of like, oh my god, this story is thousands and yeah. thousands of years old you almost feel like cautious of like, well, what are we supposed to glean from this? And I think, I truly think that is sort of one of the central things we can take away from it um, and share with others. And, you know, I, I learned this story and I wanted to tell it to every person I came into contact with, you know, and I think yeah. it is that thing that we have and that we talked about in our very first episode and that we've talked about since then of the meaning and the importance of what we're doing by looking at ancient stories and finding ourselves in them. 
on so many levels. It's not always just gender and sexuality. No. You know, yeah, it could be how one navigates romance or morality or life or whatever it is. The fact that you can find yourselves in them is not just validating or vindicating or justifying who you are. It is nourishing who you are. It is giving you more solid ground to stand on. It is edifying. It is in so many ways healing um, because so much of who and what we are is often so isolated and so alone and so painful. And to have stories where what you are is not just there and existing, but holy and sacred and necessary. I, is there better medicine? I don't know that there is, you know? And I don't know if that's just because of the way that I was raised, you know, where scripture is the answer to everything. And so I went out and found my own fucking scripture. You know, I don't know. Maybe that is what it is. But it it just, it means so much to me. And so I wanted to share it with you guys. And now I'm going to shut the fuck up. And I'm going <laughs> to ask you guys to tell me what you think about the story and how it resonated with you. But I just, you know, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. And so, you know, I just need to get them out. Yeah. I think it makes me think a lot about, like, I think a lot of the the relationship to it that you're speaking about, again, like, reminds me a lot of, like, the black philosophical tradition of, like, figuring, like, obviously, the uh, chattel slavery is a curse, right? Um, and shows up generally, generationally. Um, so to know that this curse, like, this curse has been endured... Um, and in the face of that curse, like great works have, have come. Right. So similarly to in the story where it's like, you're going to heal people. Um, you're going to like know the inner workings of the universe and stuff like that. Like it's, uh, to know that like, uh, I am connected to, um, a very thick, uh, kind of root system of like, um, like really spectacular things in the face of a curse. Um, I think it's like really validating, um, which is, it explains a lot why a lot of this is not taught in schools. Right. Um, mm. in, in terms of like people actually having like autonomy and validation in who they are. Um, cause it's like the first time you read or the first time I read about double consciousness, um, it was like a, a, it was like a turning point really. Like I can mark it as a, like a very distinct turning point in my like evolution of thinking. Um, so I feel like this, that similar thing. Of, Do you want to break down what that is for us? I, I've never heard of it before and I'm sure a lot oh. of our listeners would probably love like a. Yeah. 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 Um, so W. Du Bois is like, why is just like a very, very like important like mind in the like black philosophical tradition. Um, and so one of the main things that people know him for, he wrote this thing called the, the souls of black folk. Um, and he essentially described the idea that like we, as a, we are like essentially new creations that experience the world twice at the same time, uh, both as an American, like he was describing it as being both an American and being black. Mm. Um, you cannot be fully one or the other, um, ever, um, and so the idea of like having and like a lot of black uh, the souls of black folk and a lot of W. Du Bois's work like really kind of explores the like mental framework of black people as a result of the transformation of the Middle Passage, 
mm. um, and like our like what we become and like how do we get out of this essentially. Um, he was at early times uh, earlier in his life. He was a eugenicist, uh, like a lot of people were at the time, which really sucks because you can see it in his like whole talented ten percent uh, mm. idea. But as he gets older, um, he moves quite a bit away from that and moves a lot more towards socialism. Um, and you can see a lot of that in his writing. He also is like one of the founding members of the NAACP. I'm pretty sure, and like started like one of the like head journal like publications. Um, so he's just like incredibly important to writing. Um, and double consciousness was one of the first things that I like read by him. Um, and he became kind of like a lifelong hero after that because he showed like one, I hadn't seen, I hadn't had the model of like the black uh, philosopher, right? Mm, All the philosophers I had been introduced to were white dudes and beards. Right. Right. Um, and so then to read something by like a black dude here, um, and have kind of like feel kinship to that like kind of nerdiness of like I just like the thought like I just like thinking um and you can feel that in his I feel it in his work of like the in, like he enjoys uh or there's something driving behind figuring things out right um and so I hadn't seen that before um and then really kind of like you know early was like socialism makes sense and then finding out he was a socialist and I was like okay and then finding out there's a large traditional black socialist um so it's like that, and that was more kind of just like black identity in general. Growing up in Missouri, it's very segregated. Uh, didn't meet anyone who wasn't black, uh, black, white, or Mexican until I was in high school and mm. went to a private school like across town. Um, so um, in terms of identity, there wasn't just like, there just like wasn't a whole lot to think about. Um, and so reading him like really, and that was around the time of, you know, puberty and all that. So I like really was starting to think about my world, I guess. Mm. Um, and that was like really helpful. And then, um, a few years later reading Audre Lorde was kind of more of like, uh, it wasn't even just like thinking about my identity as it relates to the world. It's like thinking about my identity as it relates to me, as it relates to the world. Mm. Um, and so like finding myself as like a ooh entrenched in a tradition I guess is really what it comes down to um it feels like a mental village um like being raised by a mental village um and I feel like that's kind of like similar to what you were describing about the story of like having um having that there as kind of like a like a not like a source but kind of like a like a um you know, you're digging through dirt and you see like a root way the fuck over there. It's like, it's re like this, this is a very big plant and it will be here for a very long time. Mm. And it's like, you can keep cutting off branches. You can keep like trying to fallow the fields and yet it keeps fruiting and growing elsewhere. Um, yeah. and that's like a really cool thing to like get to hold on to. I guess it's like the ultimate depiction of like what we always say, a blessing and a curse. Like, you know, it's like there is something to that. I relate to that. It's like there is something special. And we talk about that on this podcast, I think, all the time where gender divergent people, among other people, like, you know, there is something it's something illuminated it's something illuminated. It's like you you have an illumination, but that also obviously comes with the and and there is some recognition. I think that's what's cool in this myth is that there's a recognition of that, of it being uh, like an honor. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter because sometimes some things that are an honor also 
will not be understood or will make you well, you will have to suffer because of it also. Mm. Um, for me, I understand and I, I think it's nice to be affirmed, but also like sometimes it's nice to have like also like a confirmation of your pain mm, <laughs> too. Yeah. Not just of the, and I guess maybe Vince, what you're talking about too, feels like that a little bit too. It's like both. It has to be both. It has to be like uh, the confirmation that like you're not alone, you're, but you are very special. And there is something very special about being um, not necessarily what's always represented. There's something very special and magical about things that are not the default, that are not just like the thing we hear about all the time. There are other magical, beautiful, special things ways to be but uh, along with that also comes pain and that pain is real and you your experience of that is real mm. and is not um you know it, it's like it's like the opposite of gaslighting i guess it's like it's like being like you are not imagining this this is not you know mm. you are not also you're not meant to just like deal with this this is actually unfair this is not something that should be on you it, but it is and uh the recognition i guess in that in like her last words you know saying like you're going to have a it's going to be difficult but you're also going to be special and you're going you know i think that's like that balance is really important i think for a lot of uh less understood groups of people or disenfranchised groups of people or people you know i, I think it's it's an important it's an important thing to to like allow space for both of those things at the same time yes to me, that's, like, very important. That it's, like, very beautiful and very special. And also, the pain that comes with that is also very real and, like, legitimate. And people, the other people will not understand that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing that I love is that there is very clear, um, uh, it's very clearly outlined. Uh, the sort of uh, idea that we see kind of repeated all over the place, all over the world, all throughout, you know, different time periods of peoples and religions and, you know, the, uh, mythologies where the gender variant person is, is seen as marked by the gods. They are seen as the one who is the intercessor or the liaison between the people and the earth, the people and the dead, the people and the gods. And so they are, it's, it's sort of intrinsic and it's sort of known on many levels, but it's also, it's not often it's so ex explicitly stated that you have been marked by the gods. You are set apart. You are anointed. But that is not an easy road. Yeah. And for some of us, that is a very spiritual thing. We really do actually live that out. For others of us, it's a little bit more about, you know, justice and society and, you know, revolution and liberation and, and abolition and all of these things. Because when you are a gender divergent person or gender diverse or gender variant person at all, one of the very essential linchpins of everything you've been programmed with just gave way. And then you start seeing the holes in everything. Like I said, with they live, right? You, you now have yeah, the glasses yeah. 
and you're seeing through it all. And Mm -hmm. that is, it's super rad to have a fucking existential crisis about everything around you when you're a child. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like that's and then to be able to recognize the bullshit bullshit everywhere, but it's also then that separates you from a lot of you're alone. You're you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, you can't connect. You can't be present. You you then we can't participate completely in it because we see through it. I mean, and it's it's not just with gender; it's with all of these things. Like all of these things that that has been drilled into our mind that it's one way, and then you start to see it and you're like oh my god i can't do this anymore now it's like this is a now this is something you have to actually carry with you because there's no choice you either just conform and decide not to i don't know this i don't know this knowledge like you just decide not to go there uh if you can or if you have to and you want to go there for whatever reason then then fuck it you're done like you're not you can't play yeah. by the rules it's, anymore ever which is, again it's also like why allyship is dumb right because like yeah. it's like co-conspirator or not right um because like yeah the idea is that once that pillar like shout out to kimberly crenshaw once that pillar like starts to crumble right the whole building moves because you realize that all these things are interconnected, interconnected. right mm-hmm. yeah. um but what shitty about allyship is like usually it's a hyper focus on that one pillar yeah and yep. you lose the sight of like no you have to fight all these other things at the same time or right. else you, it, it, this fight is useless um and so it's like on the other side of like not having that experience it's probably like it's like a ooh i just learned that something's wrong so i'm gonna focus on just that thing yeah, it's too hard for me to see all of the other shit that it's connected to. Right, exactly. Everything yeah, I, I don't, since I don't entirely get it because to me it's like it is like you either see this all and then you're a part of it or you don't and you're not. Well, it's like the guilt there of knowledge. Like, like you're, you're implicated and, now because you know and you can't right, unknow it. And but you're so, also not like on the outside, like yes, I recognize that that's a thing that's happening over there, and but I'm over here, like yes, we see you, but it's like you don't see. You're in it. You're in yeah. the thing. It doesn't matter if you're not fucking like gay. It doesn't matter if you're not black. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. You're in it. You're right. In well, yeah. Exactly. Allyship. We're I feel all like in it's, the same room. It's based <laughs> off of like cognitive dissonance. Right. Right. Whereas like co-conspiratorship exactly. is like a recognition of like, ooh, that's not how shit works for me. But it shouldn't work like that for anyone. Right. Which right. That's the whole point. Thing. You know. And it's <laughs> yes. also that old. Not to like you know use a super worn out quote, but that old Desmond Tutu quote. You know, there is no position of neutrality in situations of oppression. Yeah. You either yeah. are going to stand with the person who's oppressed or you are standing with the oppressor. That's the only yeah. options you have. And, and so, even more, it's not, you are also oppressed. That's the thing. If you're still in the society, you are. Whether you are as directly, like just participating in the society while this is going on, you're not just like an outside viewer. Even if it's not directly happening to you the same way, it's still, to me, it's like at a certain point, you just realize that you are also completely inside of it. This isn't like, I'm such a big fucking man to like go over here and help these other disenfranchised people. It's like, you're in the same fucking society. These things all fucking intermingle and affect you as well. You know, it affects you as well. It affects everybody. Like, do you want to be in a society that is like this? It a hundred percent affects even fucking like cis hetero white men. It still affects them. They just can tune it out. 
but it does. They would st- they would even live in a better world, you know, for themselves. Well, that's the well, whole thing. Obviously, it affects. <laughs> no, I, it, I mean, I think it like, affects everyone differently. People, but like, yeah, it affects course, everyone well, differently. Course, but but if I'm saying the, it would be a better world for everybody. I, it wouldn't I, be though. I, I don't think it would. Be. I, I, yeah, no, I don't think it would be. I, I think the thing that well, we I, do I guess have to, I'm saying good people. Yeah, people who actually <laughs> yeah. give a shit about yes. people. Yeah, not Jeff Bezos doesn't give a fuck. But I think that it is, yes, of course, this is contingent on, like, giving a shit about other people. But I think that that's not, uh, that's not something that you just have to view from the outside as if it's, like, some abstract concept that you're choosing to volunteer for something. I mean, that, that implies that you don't have any stake in the society that you live in. Which, if you're fucking Jeff Bezos, like, you can choose not to. But, like, that isn't the actual reality for most people. Is it like, you know, when it comes down to the, the infrastructure of the city you live in, th- there are things that affect everything affects everything else. It doesn't have to just be your like microcosm of society. I mean, you can easily see it that way, but it isn't necessarily like that. You know, Do well, you know I, what think, I, mean at all? I think what privilege is, is immunity. And yeah. it's not just immunity. Well, it, it's benefit. It's, it's a it's a seesaw. Sure. As, Personal benefit. Well, well, no, and societal, it, it is systemic. So the thing is, is as the seesaw goes down on one side and Vince gets marginalized for being black, I'm getting rewarded for being white. And I don't get to sit out of that because I see what's happening to Vince. I can fight against it, but I can't negate it. And I am a participant and I am a beneficiary. And so I think when you're going into, uh, when you're trying to figure out like, well, how do we how do we dismantle this whole thing? That has to be sort of like the prime, uh, at least one of the prime focuses. But I think also in terms of like why allyship is fucking stupid <laughs> is that it is people who are making this a passing hobby or whatever, because right. they don't have a dog in this race. They don't. Yeah. And it's sure. a sort of passing thing that they can do whenever it's convenient for them. It always has to be focused on them and centered on them and their feelings and their fragility and their ignorance. And you need to educate me and you need to spoon feed me and you need to convince me that your humanity is worth me defending and this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, you know, if allyship actually worked, there would be no oppression. Because these supposed allies outnumber right. us millions to, yeah. to, you know what I mean? So, like, if allyship worked, we never would have had slavery. You know what I'm saying? There were people calling for abolition of slavery throughout Pretty it. Pretty much immediately. Immediately. It, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On, on both continents. On multiple continents. Like, so, if allyship was all it took, and if it actually affected allies in any real meaningful way... None of this shit would have happened in the first place. And when it did happen, it would have been taken care of and nipped in the bud. The problem is, is that when you have entire swaths of society that are pro- that are pro- like profiting and benefiting from the harm of a tiny part of society and society structurally erases, diminishes, and completely removes the existence of those people and their voices and insulates the majority and their comfort and their fragility and their privilege, then you are in a situation where there is no impetus to help. I know for me, trying to be a co-conspirator in black liberation is something I get to do on my own time. Whenever I feel like it. No, there's nothing holding me to the fire. There's nothing making me do that. There's no sure, reason. Of course not. It's a choice. Yeah. I have no impetus to do Absolutely. that. And yeah. so, and if I was to, 
put everything that I had into it, and, and let's say we were able to accomplish it tomorrow, your and I's worlds would look radically different and would not be as good for us. Because inherently, so many of the perks we don't even know we have would be gone. So leveling the playing field is not good for everybody because leveling the playing field is not just raising someone up. It's also bringing people down. Yeah, of course. I understand what you're saying. You're right. You're right. I, I it's like the radical redistribution I... of wealth. Yes, it's great for all Absolutely. of us who are starving and poor, but you can't right. tell a but millionaire it's going to be good for them. Psyched. No. But I, I guess it just depends on if you're concerned about... I mean, it's, it's if you're concerned about your own gain, your circle's gain... Or the health, like the longevity and health of a society. Because, it, you know, these imbalances are not uh, sustainable or healthy in a, in a vast, vaster way. Sure, too. But that's what capitalism of society, they are. works off of, yeah, though. Of capitalism exactly. works off of don't worry about what happened before you were born and don't worry about what's going to happen when you're gone. Well, this is why I fucking hate all of this. Right. Because <laughs> it's so obviously clear to some of us. I mean, it's like living in New Orleans. Living in New Orleans, like, as a white person, I mean, you know, I, I I wasn't rich, but it doesn't matter. You can completely ignore everything. But it's like, you can't. If you're paying attention at all, you cannot not notice that this is not a society that is working. And it's and it's all of the, the like, ingrained issues that affect the complete infrastructure of everything in the city. Mm. And that has so much to do with racism and it has so much to do with poverty and it has, you know, and it's all, all those things are interconnected and like the power structure in the end doesn't make a good society for, for, for yes. If you're living in your mansion and not paying attention to anything that's going on, it seems like a good society to you, but I'm saying it's not a good society. But that insulation works on a lot of different levels though. Think about the people that you know, who moved to New York and they're white and all their friends are white. How did you move to the most diverse city on the planet and you are only only and you look like the cast of friends? How how did that happen? Because that you get what I'm saying? Like the the insulation happens because the thing is, we know that plenty of poor white people are aligned with millionaires who couldn't fucking care about them because of the the ingrained racism and white supremacy and how it um, and how it, you know, how it. yeah, it's classism. Like, yeah, you, right. the new Jim Crow is all about this, right? It's like right. Yeah. the the it doesn't actually the race part doesn't actually matter to the top percent. It's just that it's a tool to further keep people from like actually right. dismantling the system that like allows them to be the one percent. And like, really, it's like uh, allyship is mostly just that. It's like I know about this thing. Um, but I don't want to feel bad about knowing about this thing. <laughs> right. Um, right. Whereas like co-conspiratorship right. is like, I know about this thing. I will feel bad until this and thing isn't a thing anymore. Yes. And therefore um, I must act. Now right. that I know exactly. and I have this knowledge, I have to do something about it. Yeah. And so like the, the, the thing with like um, the good society thing is like, yeah, we're assuming that people care. Right. Right. But exactly. It's, I it's guess a, that's my bad assumption it's a, is that it's we're talking an, about people who give a shit. <laughs> well, and it's not even so much that people don't give a shit. It's that, like, again, like, you know, bringing up these systems, like capitalism, these things, like, it aligns poor people who have no, like, allegiance, actually, to rich people, because right. there is a myth of social mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so it's like, again, you can't look at any of these things solo, right? Because right. all of it's interconnected to make a really sustainable system. Um, one that has been working for a very long time, and right. honestly, only getting more efficient at what it does. One hundred percent, more insidious. 
Um, and so I think, you know, um, again, like being able, like all of that is detaching us from caring, right? Um, it is the like individualism we saw with the pandemic. It is like the apathy towards like some of these things or only being able to care about one issue at a time or flashing a bunch of news stories in front of people. So they're desensitized to it, right? It's a disconnect. And so the thing that we're talking about here, and I think a lot of this podcast is a reconnect, right? Um, mm. That story reconnects us to a tradition. Um, you well, know, one reading of the Du Bois, reading Audre Lorde, reading Angela Davis, seeing Malcolm X, seeing Russ mm. Byrd, uh, Claudette Colvin, like all of these people, seeing Josephine Baker, like finding that line, the connection connects us back to the things that allow us to care because it allows us to fight against it, right? So it's like, it's not just that there is an absence, it's that there is a removal. Right. Um, and for a lot of people, like they would care, but they don't for you know um and this is uh, if you would misinterpret this as me in any way giving any leeway to anyone who's an idiot and and i'll let that idiot stand where it is uh then you clearly are misunderstanding me as a person but um it's they would care but there's a lot of shit intentionally in the way not just happens to sure. be in the way, intentionally in the yeah. way to keep them from being able to care um, and so allyship looks like caring to a lot of people from zero. Um, but it's kind of like when we're talking about that seesaw, it's like they get the instructions for the seesaw. It's like, hmm, okay, let me look at the instructions for the seesaw because it keeps, you know, putting this person up there when it's a physics problem, right? And it's like the person on the seesaw who's at the bottom is like, oh, this is a physics problem, everyone. And the ally is still there, like, mm, got to look at these instructions. Cause right. That's what, like, and that's <laughs> academia, I right? That's we'll never looking, know. Right, like, yeah. relying on academia, relying on these things of, like, formulas of trying to do this. It's like, formulas are static. This issue is not. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, you know, obviously one of the cornerstones of how these systems perpetuate themselves, whether it's patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism, imperialism, of course, colonialism sure. of course is the destruction of history and the revision yeah. of history sure. and so you have to ask yourself well why doesn't every trans person that exists know this story why doesn't everyone right but why doesn't yeah. every why is it that everybody that we know that went through an american school knows the names of the greek gods and doesn't know any of the queer shit that i've told you guys about them exactly you know what i'm saying like it 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 is this thing where it is not, I mean, obviously, you know, like our fucking textbooks are printed in Texas. Take that for what it is. But, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that we, you know, even so something, something as simple, I'll just go like really micro for a second. Something as simple as like Vince having to discover that there's a very strong uh, tradition of black socialists. That's because of the intense whitewashing around Malcolm, um, around MLK Jr., because there were women and socialists and communists and queers who were the ones who put together the Million Man March. Do you know what I'm saying? Or sorry, not the Million Man March, the March on Washington. Like Bayard Rustin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Who completely get erased from the fucking picture. Malcolm X is out here getting villainized. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and then they completely reshape MLK Jr. to fit a white narrative. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that is so much... And, like, much... His, 
his daughter, like, every year tweets out, like, hey, remember all of you hated my dad, so, like, yeah. shut up. Yeah, <laughs> and you killed him. Yeah, and you killed him. This is not, don't follow the, the, the memes. <laughs> like, you know, on the photos that make white people feel good about that, but. Well, it also I, teaches, you know, everyone else that what was actually happening wasn't happening, so it removes them from the process of doing it again. Sure. Yeah, man. <sighs> Shouts to Pride. Um. <laughs> well, even that, you know, like that's something I just got into with somebody, you know, they, they shared this fucking post that was going really viral on Facebook and it was the same fucking picture of Marsha P. Johnson and you all owe, you know, your yeah. fucking life to this, you know, bisexual trans woman who was a sex worker and threw bricks at cops. And it's like, this is white. This is peak white liberalism. Yeah. <laughs> this is somebody who never identified as a woman that we know of. Identified as a drag queen because they made a completely different thing back then. Who probably didn't identify as bisexual. Who did sex work for survival. So stop trying to make that like that's some kind of like Noble. thing because it's not okay. And also wasn't even at the first night of Stonewall, according to her own words. Why do you need to do this? Yeah. Why do this myth-making bullshit? And it's to ease your own alleviate guilt. guilt. Always alleviate well, guilt. Well, it's that, and it's also, again... Like, sim- like uh, it, it took me a, a few years after I saw the MLK monument um, in D.C. to, like, realize this, when it's, like, literally a monument, um, of, like, when you can um, turn these things into icons or monuments, uh, they remain static, right? And mm-hmm. they also become above you, right? They are, so, they are the thing to aspire to um, uh, in these impossible odds, um, and it takes away, like, the human part of them, which is how we relate to them. And then, again, replicate uh, the energy, replicate the, the energy. movements and things yeah. like that. So, like, turning her into a few sentences that you can share and post um, or turning MLK into a big stone monument um, and showing him as, like, oh, he was nonviolent and that was, you know, and just, like, never showing any of his emotions or anything like that. Um, and having, like, his daughter literally having to remind people that, like, he was super hated Mm-hmm. Um, because he's gotten this like huge facelift of like, no, 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 no. Some people did like him. The racists were just bad. Um, yeah, right. Racist, but everyone, everyone else is on board. Yeah. So then yeah, we're teaches... going to completely like, just forget that like, you know, in, in a fucking civil court, it was decided unanimously by a jury that the evidence was overwhelming that the fucking FBI killed him. Yeah. That's yeah. like, and no. Well, and it's like the, the, I mean, all of it, right? Like the setting apart or the setting of opposites between him and Malcolm X mm-hmm. uh, to like move everyone towards a quote unquote more pacifistic like lens, which ultimately white people saw as more acceptable protesting because the other thing was, you know, violence for uh, potential violence. Uh, when, you know, every, you know, it's common knowledge now that they were in communication and like moving, um, much more towards each other in philosophy than mm-hmm. um, than ever. Um, and I forget that, what the like, date is, but there's like a date that I've seen that like explains it. That's like everyone, like you'll only see white people quote MLK yeah. in his writings up until this date. Yeah. 
because, because he becomes after super that. anti-war and super anti-capitalism. Yep. Um, and because he had already gotten like a lot of the clout from being like seen next to the president and like all of this stuff, it was like, yo, you are too loud, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are way too loud. Um, because yeah. people were like, yeah, war is dumb. Yeah, we, people shouldn't be poor. Um, and again, uh, whereas these things were somewhat separate at first, uh, they started moving towards each other. So then that group of people who are saying the same thing was going to get bigger. And then, oh, what, what do you know? Two people that were kind of the leads of those thoughts got assassinated, right? Right. So, I don't know. It's like the 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 myth-making of it is really to depower the story, right? right. It makes it this, like, stone thing that's not activatable. Um, oh, and speaking of monuments... and repeat and repeat and repeat. <laughs> speaking of monuments, of course, now there's the Marsha P. Johnson Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which does what? Well, also, like, also they give you a park, so then you don't, yeah, like yeah. you don't ask for anything else. That's great. And at the same time, like, I don't know, yeah, I just that just reminds me. I, I saw today that they're um, tearing down the George Floyd like autonomous zone because uh, they want to have traffic go back through it. So it's yeah. just like you know they've made part. I was, and I was, literally I was following that earlier. TikTok for a really long yeah. time. I'm st- I still am. Oh, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. Well, oh, the oh, the actual person that like is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I it just like it, I was walking and I was thinking it's like one, um, they've made stupider parks for stupider shit, mm-hmm. right? Like that easily could have just become a park, mm-hmm. but that's obviously not what it's about, right? And so it just yeah. like makes me think like never trust like quote unquote progress until you see like literally the foundation of the buildings in smolders and the money is in your hand. Because right. Otherwise it's just like, you can have this for a year, but like we need traffic again. Right. You can have it for a right. year while no one's outside, but right. like when it's people like, start coming back outside, you all have to, well, I mean, it's know. exactly they, like, I when just they saw painted black life matters, like in the black road, yeah. all, over all the roads. They right. did it even in this, in the town I live in. Right. Like, you know, it's like, it's just like, I mean, cute. Like that's, you know, well, it's meaningless it's nice, virtue signaling. It's a nice thought. It that's yeah. the first. Yeah. It's like, that would be nice if there was something to back that up, but it, well, that, I just saw gives a, a fuck about that. There's a tweet, thankfully that's going around. That's like viral that everyone's sharing, which is just basically, if even one of these corporations that's got everything in rainbows yeah. right now oh God, had yeah. lifted a finger against the anti-trans bills that are passing nationwide, they, passing. they yeah. wouldn't yeah. be passing. But not that's not what it's about. Just, yeah. You know? So, yeah. yeah no. Rainbow capitalism. Rainbow capitalism I, is like the fucking, just one of the most insidious things. I can't even like, I, I got one pride in after moving here and then that was got that. introduced to that, that idea. And then was like, Oh no, this is mm-hmm. complicated forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what I that's do, that's how I feel about it too. Yeah. What I do love on Twitter though, is that people started taking like fictional companies and making them rainbow catalysts. So they had like a, sh- the Shinra, uh, symbol, but it was like rainbow and like oh. it's nerve and like umbrella core. <laughs> Could you imagine Umbrella Corps' diversity initiative? Yeah, Stop it! So funny. Stop. Like, our our zombies for you know the twenty years that we've been here at Umbrella Corps have been a diverse set of brain yes. fucking <laughs> viral freaks. <laughs> oh my god! I hope you guys didn't hear that. Um. Yeah. So. With all of that being said. <laughs> anyway, try to give a shit. <laughs> you know. Around you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Pay, pay attention. It's not care. just like trying. I don't, I don't even know if it's always just trying to give a shit. I mean, if you look at the struggle that you experience, understand that there's so many other people struggling 
and that you have more in common with other people who are struggling than differences. And if you can figure that out, that's half the fucking game right there. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's yeah. not always that you have the same struggle. All poor it's people <laughs> have the same fucking struggle. It's different depending on other factors. But the point is, is that if all poor people united, shit would be different. But think about what society yeah, uses to divide us. And course. that's the issue. You but know, that's why, of course. Yeah, that's and that's all I was trying to say is that I think that if. Yes, obviously, some people being held back benefits other individuals, benefits other groups. Well, you can't um, have capitalism without poverty. It doesn't yeah, of exist. Course. It's just, that's always going to be a cycle. But in the end, all of these things fit together. We know that all of this is all part of one giant puzzle. And in the end, you have a sick society because of it. And even if you are the one benefiting in the society, you're still in a sick society. So if you give a shit about the society you live in, about not just even individuals, but just actually the structure of the world that you live in, I do think that like you, once you start to see it, it isn't any longer about like, yeah, allyship, the way we're talking. It's not just like, oh, well, I don't want my friend to be bummed out. I don't want my friend to have a shitty life. It's like your friend's shitty life probably relates to you in some way, too, even though it's not shitty for you personally. You still live in this world. You still live around your friend. This is still a, a thing. The schools still suck because of this. All these things relate to each other. Yeah, that's and like stupid like, shit. Yeah, even if it doesn't personally affect you, I mean, you, you can lock yourself away in your fucking billion-dollar mansion and then nothing affects you. But if you're a person in the world in any in any real way where it's whether it's having relationships with other humans or witnessing any you know any social structure like this does affect you in some way and it shouldn't just be some like off-site like you know it's not just like over there there's something bad happening and i choose to care it's like it should choose to care it's in your fucking face this is like the world you actually live in like do you feel comfortable living in a world do you that where this is happening all around you i mean i i unfortunately people do but I think the more you force yourself to think about it and look at it and face it and deal with it, like you start to change your mind, don't you? I mean, yeah, it's like anti-human I mean, centrism, like as an idea, like yeah, Eastern, like oh yeah, that makes sense. Like clearly, <laughs> it seems obvious once you start to look at it, but you have to actually look at it. <laughs> you have to actually go outside of your just your weird bubble. That and most I think the have. issue that can arise is that some of us had no choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I say this and all the time. Some of us don't get to not. Right. Exactly. You some don't have us... to make, you don't have to learn to care. Cause like, how are you not going to care if you have to leave your house? Right. Yeah. That's the thing is that it's, there's, if you approach this as a intellectual pursuit yeah. or something <laughs> like that, you're doing it extreme. You, you can't actually help. No, you can't. And so it's about camaraderie, like in the way that like if you want to be a quote unquote ally to me, the only way that's meaningful is if you're willing to like take a fucking police baton for me. That's the only way. Like every protest I ever went to, it was very well known that my job as a white person at this protest is to be a human shield. That is it. I don't need to talk. I don't need to be heard. 
nothing. You're there to be a body. In I am there to be a body yes. because the cops are going to hesitate before they beat my ass. They're not going to you necessarily. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like that's yeah, that's what a co-conspirator does, and that's what. And that shouldn't just be at protests, by the way. Like that should be every day. Every like, day. Not not just literally the extreme protest version of standing in front of a baton. Yes, but also like in every small micro way too. Yes. You know, it's it's oh that God. awareness. The f- and, fucking and, I oh, the the one of the shit that grinds my gears is like and it, it shows up in like smaller ways but it's just as violent in the sense of like meetings right where like mm. people who are not affected hear shit said and then someone who is affected says something and then they text you after or email you after like oh that was i felt that i that didn't have the words awkward. like all that yeah. bullshit it's like it doesn't matter if you had the words who knows if i had the words at the right. time right. Maybe but you something had either, to be fucking said right. so it's like you're don't even bother telling something. me. I don't want to be thanked. Yeah. Don't bother telling me. Do something or shut the fuck up. Well, that's the thing is, I think for me, it's sometimes the way that I think about it in my head is it's the police baton scenario, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also another scenario I think is also equally as important and has a very different nuance. If my friend or just a person that I see, right? Doesn't matter. Fellow human on this planet right, is injured. And I get them to the hospital, right? Why would I expect them to be able to fully and effectively advocate for themselves to the medical staff? No. Yeah. If I've listened to them and they told me I think my leg is broken and all the medical staff is saying, no, it's not. We're not even going to do an x-ray. We're not even going to do anything about it. Here's some ibuprofen. Get the fuck out of here. Why would it not be my job to then run interference for them and do everything that I could to get them the help that they need and to right the situation? Do you get what I'm saying? You can't have the person who is marginalized and oppressed constantly have the burden on them to educate the majority, comfort the majority, be able to navigate respectability politics and tone policing, and also be out here risking their fucking neck to change the world when they're just trying to survive the world. That work belongs on the shoulders of the people who benefit from the fucked up system that's in place. And they should do so only at the direction of the people who are being harmed. Yeah, it's, it's a like, very easy way to wield privilege correctly. Like well, extremely easy when when you know when it's appropriate or necessary. But like, take it on, take yeah. on. Ta- I feel like it's like take it on yourself. Like why not take it on? Well, I it's don't just understand. like a, I don't know. My experience with that is like white people get really uncomfortable with the idea of like me saying like or just black people in general saying like, hey, racism actually isn't my problem to fix. Right. Like, no, I shouldn't have to totally do not. literally anything about it. Like, right. it should all be you all. <laughs> um, You're responding to it. Like, we're fucking propagating it. Like, it's a, it's the calls coming from inside the house. Like, hi, we have to fix our own fucking shit. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I always strive home. Like, oh, is I always, so... when a white person talks about racism, every time I go, who are the racists? Yeah. Who are the racists? Because there's this thing that we do. It's like fucked up, weird, cognitive dissonance myth. That there are these random people in white hoods behind every corner, and they're the ones that are hurting our black friends. And if we could just catch them in the act, some we could end racism. And it's like, 
bro, who do you think is the perpetrator? <laughs> it's your husband, sis. It's, it's your everyone. fucking brother. It's your dad. It's your grandpa. Yeah. It's your cousin. It's, it's Karen. It's all of these people. It's every single one of them. And guess what? Plot twist. It's you. You. Yeah. Every moment that you walk through this world unchecked, you are hurting people that you have privilege over. 100%. You're trampling on them. You have to do everything you can to recognize what your position in society is and then use every ounce of effort that you can to lift people up to where you are. I don't see how you can do otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? Like <laughs> No, again, just like a, a, be a better world. A better world. Not for your own greed, but a better world. Not better for you necessarily, but just better. It is actually well, better. Well, I think that there's an active disincentive outside of everything that we've talked about so far in that what makes capitalism thrive is instant gratification. Yeah. And the truth about trying to work for a better world is you're going to spend your life expending labor for something you're never going to see and you're not even you sure it's ever going to happen. It doesn't affect you. Yeah. You'll never reap the rewards. You know what I mean? And so... So much. Yeah. You know, it's like, like... amazing. Just thinking about it, like, I get... Act, like, I actually get, like, agitated. Yeah. Because I recognize it's ruining my life, too. It's ruining everyone's life. Of course. I mean, it's ruining all the fucking wealthy white people's lives that I know, too. For real. It is. They don't realize it. They're they're sitting pretty and, like, they're doing okay. But, like, it's not good for them either in insidious ways. It's very bad. It's a very sick, sick little puppy. Well, I mean, that uh, based everyone... solely on the fact that the earth is being destroyed. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. That's like... what I mean. Like, actually, it's just worse. It's just much worse. And then the it's brilliance. It's terribly better for some people if that's, like, really, you could just, like, stop. You're so fucking stupid <laughs> that you just stop looking at it there. But, like, it's not... This but is, think about think about the brilliance of capitalism and corporations that they were able to convince everyone, everyone, that the earth being murdered for profit is their fault, your fault, you the individual, because you use a plastic yeah. straw. Stop yeah. yeah, don't eat meat and don't like yeah, yeah. stop using It's not us plastics. who are just pouring you millions of gallons of oil. Tap, Dakota. You know what I mean? Like it's because you take too you leave the water running while you brush your teeth. You take yeah. it too long a shower. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. You did this. Look at this dead sea turtle. You did this. And it's like yeah, what you eat, what we do is literally irrelevant. Oh, in you the actual completely equation. annihilating the rainforest has nothing to do with it at all. Like the fact that I think it's over 80% of all pollution on the planet and its history has been done by multinational corporations. Yeah. Yeah, it has to do with me having a fucking iced coffee with a plastic straw in it. Okay. If we didn't have access to the corporate structure of the world, we wouldn't be able to ever create that much, like, destruction. Anything. As, as individuals, we never, all of us, would never be able to accept that they've given us these corporate Do you know what monsters. fucked with me so badly was finding out that, like, over half, I think it's over half of all the world's plastic has been produced since 2005. Yeah. yeah that is insane. That is the scariest thing I've ever heard. 
Like, well, yeah, because you what? see the end of the, you see the end. You see like, the end and you go, oh <laughs> like, my God, we're never like, going to make it. You know what I mean? This is not sustainable at all. <laughs> no, and, and the people yeah. who can will insulate themselves from it until the better end. They will insulate themselves until the better end and uh, fucking, you know, cool. That must be really fun. But they're not happy either. And they're also going to fucking die. Like it's not, there is no winning this. There's no winning. You don't win capitalism. You know, you don't win. I mean, you temporarily I think win. you have an admirable amount of empathy where I only have guillotines. So I think that that is beautiful that. <laughs> well, I don't have empathy. I'm just saying I, I agree. It's fucked. I mean, what do you mean? Well, I don't, by, I don't by have empathy, empathy no, by empathy, I mean you still have a um, what seems to be a glimmer of hope that there is humanity in these people that could no, be appealed to. No, absolutely not. Oh, I okay. Even, I don't believe that anything. I'm a I'm a complete nihilist. Like I don't believe that anything will ever be better <laughs> like, <laughs> at all. I think it's only getting worse. Not even your gender. Nothing is getting better. My gender is getting much worse. Much worse. Just so much worse. No, I don't. I, I'm so far off the spectrum of even thinking there's anything fixable. But I'm still going to try in my little way. But mm. no, I'm, I'm so incredibly nihilistic. It's like unbelievable. I, I just. So, in fact, therefore, I see everything philosophically, unfortunately, because I just don't even, you know, not my actions. I, I believe in actual action, not philosophical, you know masturbation but like it uh, but in my head like how i see it, it unfortunately is is quite grim mm. <laughs> quite grim um i feel like one of the things that i try really hard to work on based on my personality and uh my not being uh like like strict enough with myself is something I'm doing right now and I have been doing. So I just like want to apologize, Vince, that I've been like talking over you this entire time. Uh, <laughs> or like over or by or like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that white person that's like, let me give you my TED talk on racism in front of a black person <laughs> who is not talking and I'm not giving the space to just talk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, though, in this particular space, um, there are we are assuming that there are people that are learning, right? So mm. I don't see, I'm not like taking this conversation as like necessarily just for us. There are times where in the podcast it, it does feel like it's just for us. Um, but this time there, there are, it tra- I think it's a smooth transition into like talking to the audience. Mm. Um, mm. And so like in this situation, I feel like it is better that you all explain it because I don't feel like it. Um, really what I had to say was uh, there are idiots looking at seesaw instructions when they need to be reading a physics book. And that's really all I have to yeah. say about that shit. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, yes, that, and also, hey, if you actually listen to the person sitting on the, the low side of the seesaw, yeah. they can tell you exactly what the problem was. Yeah. So I, I think in this particular situation, this is, like, uh, you know, uh, helpful, right? But I, I think, like, uh, one, appreciate that cognition. Two, I think... Um, it, for me, listening back to this, it also gives me some time to think about, like, synthesize a bunch of the stuff that we just talked about. And I think, like, it goes back to the idea of the the myth of the Rishkogal in the sense that, like, 
there's a lot of distortion, right? All of this is mostly distortion. Um, and I think like Daphne, like to what you're kind of getting at in terms of like people are living in a shitty world regardless if they're enjoying it or not, mm-hmm. um, is that there's a distortion that allows that, right? There's a distortion sure. that allows you to know that your company is actively destroying the beauty of the earth, but because you distortedly can go to very specific areas on that earth and not witness that, um, you can enjoy it. Right. Right. Um, and so going back to this myth, like there are people by virtue of their positionality, by virtue of their calling who see through that distortion. Right. And anytime, like we're saying, like even with our own like gender awakenings, even our own identity awakenings through race, whatever, uh, it is the first time you see through that distortion um, is when you have access to power to change things. Mm. But as long as you're behaving through that distortion, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to work. Allyship. It doesn't work. Doesn't even matter. if you're saying, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, even, if you're, even if you're saying if, you're an ally or you're like, I feel like I'm an ally, but you're still operating through, through distortion. that distortion. Right? Like philanth- yeah. if philanthropy worked, the world would be fixed. Right. right. But right. it doesn't right. work. It's, right. not, it's not supposed to work. It's supposed yeah. to essentially allow people to move the world around without having to abide by laws because it's charity. Mm-hmm. So it's You're like, demonstrating. It, it's, it's not so. Yeah. So like this, this, uh, they're the people who see through the distortion are necessary. Right. Often those people are people at the margin. Um, and so I feel like it's verified in this story. It's verified in a bunch of stories. That's what our podcast is about. Right. Um, and so it's really, really important that we remember that even if we are talking about, particularly gender and sexuality here, um, it is connected to all the other ways that distortion appears in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. So this story about Rishkagal and, like, the, the curse, right, it applies to all of the curses. Uh, it's so old that, like, the language that we use to probably even, like, understand the translations of this, like, it's probably limiting of what that curse even actually means, mm-hmm. right? So it's, like, it's all of the curses. Um, and... Uh, until like the people who, I don't know, I don't want to really add an until, but, uh, really just like, even with like the, the rainbow capitalism thing, use whatever, like you need to break that distortion, right? If rainbow capitalism is the thing that you see and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Use that to kind of keep cracking at the shit so you see more yeah. of like, hey, a lot of this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a house of cards. And a lot of people point. stop at just seeing that like, hey, rainbow capitalism is bad, right? Um, so is pink washing is real. Right. Like, it t- yeah. It takes just pull effort. the thread, bro. It keeps going. Yeah, pull the thread. Know, it <laughs> takes effort to pick up the pickaxe and keep cracking, right? right. Um, so I, I think it's mostly that. It's just like I don't have a like – uh, as I, I've spent a lot of my life actually explaining this to white people, especially going to NYU and like working for their diversity shit. Like I spent a lot of time doing that already and came to the conclusion that after all of it, as soon as I left the institution, a bunch of shit went back the way it was. Right. Mm. Um, so it's like talking about it is like, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. And, and, and like, I'm getting to the point where even like in meetings, like why is it that like, I have to slow down the rate at which I am thinking because other people refuse to pick up the rate at which they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a strictly out of comfort, right? So it's like, I don't really have the, like, I understand a lot of the, like, philosophy and, like, really kind of, like, mental frameworks behind a lot of these things. And I think it's important to, but 
at the end of the day, what most people need to hear is shut the fuck up and do something. Mm-hmm. Do or yeah. you're an enemy. There isn't a yeah. right there. It's like, Absolutely. no, there you isn't. are an enemy. Yeah. Um, and like people love to kind of like very much so placate MLK's words, but he said like the middle is the most dangerous. Right. For sure. Well, I think all of us, regardless of how you're marginalized in America, would prefer like a cross burning gun toting KKK member to a liberal Democrat any day of the week. Because I know you're my enemy. You've made that At least clear. we can identify you. Yeah. yeah it's like how the South operates. And not it's waste like our I know time. Where, I know where to, like, Sunset Town, or the Sundown mm-hmm. Towns, right? It's like, I know where to stay away from, at least there. But you it's like, when you live in my neighborhood, people. and your version of racism is keeping me from being able to access food, education, or a place yeah. to live because mm-hmm. you're gentrifying it, that's like... At least over, and it's like the the thing with segregation and why it's taught incorrectly, right? We always see that segregation is like a oh, white people did this to black people; they forced them out of things. Yes, there's you know there's evidence to that. There's an argument to that. There's redlining, blah blah blah. But the other part of it is like black people didn't want to be around fucking white people anymore. Yeah. You all were just mm-hmm. super fucking racist to us for a really long time. Why would we want to stay near you? Right. And when we moved away, exactly. we developed black Wall Streets all over. And what did they do? Get burned down, right? So it's like at least we when we can, when we when things are separate, we know at least it's like we can separate ourselves and focus on something else. But it's like when you're trying to intermix yourself in there and doing it really inefficiently or insidiously, um, it's just like you know it's again shut up or do something or you're an enemy. It's more dangerous for sure. When you can't tell where everyone stands, what, how you, where you stand, what's going on, right. and you know it's imbalanced, then it's just imbalanced, but it's hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, man, I'm it's sweaty. so. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny because like I see people who do this thing where they're like, you know, like weirdo fucking anti-vax white soccer moms. That find out mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup is in everything. Yeah. And I'm like, wait until you hear about racism. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just as insidious. You know what I mean? Like, actually dangerous. You know? like, one of the simple things is where, like, when they changed the fucking Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima thing, and literally every black person was like, hey, what are you doing? We, right. Why? Not only did we not literally ask for that ever... Right, um, right, and, and didn't need it. It didn't do anything. But two, we liked having Uncle Ben and Uncle Bible on yeah. the box. We were like, "Oh shit, Uncle Ben's in the cabinet," and now it's like, like it's well, and like, also you never listen. Like, number three, so now stupid. white people are mad at black people for something they didn't do, didn't ask for, <laughs> and didn't want. It's the yeah. same thing as the Mr. Mr. Potato Head thing. This is the shit oh, that know. gets oh, people oh, fucking killed. Literally. What about the What about the Land of Lakes? lady they just took her off the box land of uh, lakes the, the just, butter the native yeah. american yeah. lady right they just took her off yeah. and it's just an empty field it's like wow this is weirdly symbolic and it's and also just like you doing, you spent, we spent 80 years memor like because of the way Getting advertising was. Yeah, yeah we spent 80 years memorizing that. I know, so I, even if you I take her away her i still box. see her on the box same, right same. 
I can't. And it's like even if the and it's true, even if these things started and are obviously based in total racism, also at a certain thing point things become familiar and then you change it and you're like, oh cool. So now we just like don't even exist in, in a race. We just don't exist. It it's just like, isn't even a thing. Yeah. Now you've taken away like a like an unfortunate like association, but it's like a familiar association. Now it, now we have nothing. And people have a really complicated history with like reclamation of things. Right. Right. Yeah. It's because like it, but it's because they, they want to follow a rule rather than listen to the actual material condition, right? Because mm-hmm. if you listen to any black person, I guarantee you, if you interviewed, like, the whole... I don't know. Regardless of statistic. My point being, like, literally no one gave a shit uh, no. other than, like, maybe writing a paper about it in college. And it was in everyone's cabinet. Um, so it's like... Yeah. In theory, we want to be mad about it. And, like, in reclamation in general, it's like, no, you can't. It was used harmfully. And so, and it has this history. So now it can't be good ever. And it's like, well, what if we, but what if we want it to be good? And they're like, no, because we, because people need rules to to follow in order to not know how to be, in order to how to know how to not be evil. And it's like, but we, okay, so we're going to do the thing because it's cool. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Right. And I mean, that's the thing. It's it's always going to be more nuanced than that. It's why virtue signaling is trash. It's also why if you, like, truly, honestly, reclamation is how marginalized people survive being stigmatized and harmed. Have to eradicate it. Also, it doesn't, it takes the place of anything, actually. Like, this didn't do anything. Let's not pretend this is a thing. Like, let's not yeah. even in our minds pretend this was a thing. No. Like, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Mm-mm. You know? This is just like, no, it's as like meaningful a as. In, it's a dance to, like, distract you. It's as yeah. meaningful as what? every major business having something rainbow on their shit for the month of June. That's it. Yeah. Which is, by the way, why I love Chick fil A. Chick fil A was like, no. No. <laughs> so, like, well, at least we know at where least you really you're stand. consistent. Yeah, they're, you know they're not even pandering. No, just well, like, no it's, the, we it's having the opposite you. effect now. It's like when I see some uh, like somewhere have rainbow shit, and oh, I'm just stressful as fuck. Yeah, unless I know they're queer owned, I'm like, mm, all right, well, I guess I'm not gonna go here actually. So now oh. we don't even get the rainbow shit. Who's buying all the rainbow shit? Fucking straight people who want to look like they're an ally. Yes, yeah, right. Yes, it's straight people who invade who pride. Want to look yeah, yeah. So who think that pride is. is fucking Mardi Gras for them? Yes, the queers are not even the ones buying the rainbow shit. No, we're going to pride. The the one flag I have, I found uh, during June at like two in the morning because someone had ripped it down from the Blick, and it was just I was walking home at night and it was just there in the street. It was just like a giant You're pride like, flag. Right. I was like. All right, sick. <laughs> like, right. I've like never been purchased pride. You were shit. you were being gay and doing crime. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> being gay. <laughs> like I was just out being gay. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so it's just like I don't know, man. It's oh man. <laughs> but that's the stupid thing is that it's not even for like it's so obvious that it's not even for us. No. Like no, I, not at all. No. No. And it's just well, and it, it starts off like a lot of stuff does start off for us, but like again, capitalism commodification, right? So, right. Exactly. Um, capitalism again, the ruiner of everything. Which is why it's important for us to go. Well, and those behind. who are complicit, capitalism needs actual people to execute it. So, yes, like, take RuPaul for example. You have RuPaul who has been out here basically just selling queer culture, black queer yeah. culture 
to board middle American white women for well, yes. years and years. Well, RuPaul's an example of what we were just talking about, where it's like, they're just like, they don't care. Like, you yeah. know, RuPaul's just like, doesn't matter. Fuck As exhibited no, by the fracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fracking. RuPaul's too busy fracking like, on his land to fucking, you know, give a RuPaul shit about anybody. RuPaul does not care no. about anyone else's no. progress. Like, just not like, well, I'll get mine and then whatever, fuck all y'all. And it's like, no, no. Like, this is also like, you should know better. You really should empathize in some way, but no. No. Then the, and I mean, that's why I'm like, fuck if there's like that's there's no fucking hope. Like I'm gonna keep trying, but like Jesus goddamn fucking Christ. Like, come on. No, I mean that's you know, so you can't make someone have a fucking conscious. No, you can't. Like, you know. Is there anything else anybody wanted to add? No, I mean it we it hasn't been like a year yet or anything, but it does feel like we're on like some kind of milestone, um, especially as we're like hitting pride. Yeah. Um so it just like it feels cool. It feels like we have a little community, um, and it's dope to like know that other people are thinking about the same things, um, uh, and and also trying to grow how they're understanding Learn. stuff. Um, and so um, even if pride, cal- you know, pride capitalism is stupid, um, it is still a good time to like reflect on shit um, and like reflect on yeah the the people who did come before us and do stuff, but just uh, in a more uh, kind of real. Um, intimate way uh than really just kind of like the celebration of them right um because that's important but there's a lot there's a lot to it um and same with our i feel like with our podcast like there's a lot of fun goofy shit but we also go into some stuff that's like pretty difficult to 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 work with so Mm -hmm. that's it um okay cool well thanks everybody for joining us for our extended chat um (laughs) thank you (laughs) no thank you uh, so yeah, thanks for joining us for our extended chat. We hope that you got a lot out of it and that it provoked a lot of thought. Um, and we mm. would love to hear some of those thoughts. thoughts. So if yeah, you we do love hearing thoughts, thoughts and prayers. What are you saying back there? <laughs> Fucking subliminal messaging. I'm telling you, the FTC is going to put us in it's, prison. It's, but there's okay. subliminal messaging even better when the lights all go out in their apartment because then yes. it's like you're just a disembodied voice. Yes. Now. and I feel like <laughs> yes. this backs up my like whole like what I would be as a deity thing because it's yeah, like this it, is I, it truly isn't. Most of the time, it truly isn't intentional. It's just my voice is like, yeah, this deserves to be at this decibel. This Which also decibel. we're still winning we're in our fan art. NPR voice, we know. We're still winning <laughs> in our fan art, folks. So since the teams yeah, have been assembled, we'd love to see our fan, fan art. art. It's homophobic for us to not have fan art during. Oh. Oh, shit. 100%. So just consider it's that. It's pride. We expect fan art. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's basically give us fan art or it's going to turn into a fuck you pay me podcast real quick. So <laughs> real, real quick. if you don't want to have to pay for fucking content, you might want to give us oh some fan my art. God. Is what I'm saying. The paywall will rise. The paywall, the paywall. will <laughs> rise. <laughs> the Iron Curtain. <laughs> I like that we're so, like, we just demand fan action. I don't fucking care. You know no, what I'm I saying? like it. Like, I think it's great. But that's our way of interacting with our fans. Oh, we we're like, thanks a lot have... for listening. Make fucking fan art. Yeah. yeah. Also, def- email def- us, bitches. You know we what I mean? 100% have some people that are into it. You oh, definitely want us to be like, fuck you, make us fan art. Yeah. Like being abused in this way. Oh, I don't think that it's way. that. I, but it's here's so my thing. No, it's sexy. It's, it's part a sexy of, yeah. 
it's no, I'm part of my Tinkerbell syndrome. <laughs> oh, it is for you, for sure. The disembodied yeah. voice I want in the dark to be known is that this not is being like, nice. I'm doing it because I also like it. Don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Vincent Vincent's like secret in the dark Bond villain. I mean, the most Sagittarius thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm, if I'm insulting you, it's probably because I'm turned on, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. For me, it's my Tinkerbell syndrome, where really what I'm saying this whole time is, are you not entertained? Like, I'm, I need you to give me some kind of fucking feedback that you're there and that yeah. you're not just, like, weirdly lurking and not interested. Like, I just... I work really hard on these scripts, guys. Like... God, I wish I was more like that. I'll just talk to a brick wall. Like, I will talk and talk and talk and never even consider if the person is interested. Oh, And then, no. like, hours later, I'm like, are they bo- I don't even care. Like, no. I, it doesn't even matter. I hope they leave. Like, I don't even, so I can stop talking. No, my problem is I'm very much, yes, I'm, I, like, can talk, obviously, forever. Oh, yeah. Um, but but I, I, am, I am also the... Um, Refuel. Does a... Does a does a tree make a sound if it drops a load in the forest kind of thing yeah. of like yeah as soon as I'm like not getting anything back I start to panic yeah. <laughs> you know like that, that's what yeah. we're here for you never no don't same get that's back. that fire shit it's just like wait yeah that is a fire sign <laughs> I need like wood and air to burn yeah, I put need... it back <laughs> well, as an air sign mad. like I don't need that I, I stop going keep from like into the ether <laughs> yeah no it's for no. me it's like all about like I have this thing of like. If I'm excited about something, I need to tell everyone about it, and I need to make and you sure need them to they're react excited. The way that you want them to react, yes. yeah. No, 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 not the no, way I want them to react. Like, just react. Just to react. You could be yeah. like, they I fucking have... hate this, and I'd be like, really? Why? Tell okay. me everything. But they like, need to yeah. care. Yeah. But I just need something. Like, if you don't yeah. react, I fucking I start climbing the walls. It I don't know what to do. It makes me mad. It makes it puts me in a position of anger, and I stop being empathetic. Yes, um, I love it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. I start getting it makes really me, It makes me start mean. thinking about how to cause a reaction if the thing that I offered isn't going to. Because I'm getting a reaction either way. Oh, you mean <laughs> us as kids? The ones that, when they said, you know, negative attention is not good attention. And we were like, any attention is good it's attention. Like, it's good attention. So, it's your thought. I, yeah, you thought. You thought you could shame me? You're talking to me right now. I win. Like, this is what it was all about. Don't you get that? I have to say, like, I just love fire signs and air signs so much. What are the other ones? Do they talk? What are the other other ones ones do? Yeah, what do they do? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what they do. I'm assuming they're crying somewhere or just sitting silently. I don't know. What do they do? We're just, we're all talking about everything and they're doing something else. If you're an earth sign or a water sign, you can shoot us an email at whengodwasqueer (laughs) at gmail.com or hit us up on TikTok or IG at when God was queer or leave us a voice note if you're capable um, at anchor.fm slash when God was queer tell us what it is you get up to because we have no clue do you guys talk or do you just like yeah do you just cry and like make plans like what do you do do you just hint is it like a a, it's just quiet is it body language I do imagine it's super quiet it's so quiet I don't I don't it's never quiet with us no yeah it can't Not be. for five minutes. I'd lose it. <laughs> no, at the time that it's silent, we're spent. We've done our job. <laughs> yeah, we are just... Because I'm unconscious. Yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
I eating or I'm unconscious. 100%. <laughs> and I might try and talk through the food. So. Eli literally <laughs> talks in his sleep. Just 100% oh, because he's same. fucking triple, triple Gemini. Same. He just yeah. talks in his sleep. 100%, 100% same. Of the time. Yep. Yeah. Full sentences. Like, I'm like, can you just shut up? Like, stop <laughs> talking. It doesn't end. <laughs> no, there's no stopping talking. Ugh. And then, and not only do I do it, but then there was also a time, it's when I broke my leg. I was on a sleep medication that made me sleepwalk. Great. Now now she's mobile. Great. We'll see how this goes. Literally, my partner came out to find me ass naked in the living room teaching a class. Yes! Straight up just teaching a class. Of course that's what you're doing on your off time, aka sleep. Can you imagine? And well, that was that was the only good thing. Everything else was apparently me getting into fights with people that weren't there. Yeah, yeah. And just screaming. Just screaming at people. And it was like, wait a minute, are you fucking what the fuck? It's like, like when you open the furnace and look inside, it's like, this is how this works. This, this <laughs> is how this works. Yeah. That is like the psyche of an Aries. Like yeah. is like I'm getting in fights with people and teaching a class. Yeah. yeah. That's exact yes. that's Which, every Aries I've yes, ever met. Buy a ticket to one of my classes, sometimes they're the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I will True. fight you about and, the bad ideas confirm. you brought in. <laughs> so, oh if you mention Moldavite, I'm going to literally oh bash your skull in. Like, no. <laughs> I will the prunes? fully curb stomp someone for talking about their chakras. I, no, stop. <laughs> Reiki's not real. Stop it. Like, no. Ugh. This rose quartz is going to heal my heart chakra. Not if it was stripped mine with slave labor. Okay. Carrie, thanks so much. Anyway. I feel like the best part is that we made it worse. We were like, we should find a way to end this. To end the episode and now we found a new topic. Like, yeah. You guys literally threw three logs on the worse. fire and went, I wonder what will happen. How long yeah. can they go? Yeah, no. It, it's. It, <laughs> I had a good gay iced coffee earlier i'm ready to i could do anything yeah we can record we can record another episode yeah <laughs> i think we already did yeah yeah honestly like we have. Six episodes. <laughs> this is an entire mini series here we go by the end we're gonna go cool we're taking a break see you next season bye yeah. there's more Just olympians they'll be in season two fuck off bye if we have any more fans <laughs> that's kind of amazing that you're still listening. <laughs> it's only the air and firesides that's that are it. still listening. No, like, Everyone else great. had a panic <laughs> attack and left. Mm-hmm. So, oh all right. Well, well. <laughs> like I said, fan art or be it becomes one. fuck you, pay me quick. So it started off weird too. Yeah. Oh, it's been. It started off. It started weird. off so. Yeah. So weird, the whole thing. The floor's, the floor's been crooked the entire time, so I don't really know how we were supposed to get steady footing, but we're fine. We did our best. Um, kind of. So it's not straight. All right, maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> once again, you can contact us in any of the above mentioned forms <laughs> of social media contact: uh, Gmail, TikTok, IG, and voice notes on Anchor. Um, so other than that, it's the uh, time for our cacophony of queerness. And you know what? It's pride and we're tired. So you do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I, like I love this episode. This episode I'm just gay. And, I'm just gay and tired and sad. Okay, I just, I'm just gay and tired. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>